and welcome to Mono Rants, a podcast where things happen. One of those things is you listening to us ranting about superhero TV show The Boys. I'm one of your hosts and jack of all trades, Mono, and with me as always is my co-host and master of none, Kira. What? Say hello, Kira. Hello. Hello, Kira. We're only recording. It's okay. What? Who? So, so <laughs> this week we're discussing season one, episode six, The Innocents. And as usual, we'll be talking comics and referencing ahead in the show, so spoilers ahead. And even if I wanted to get you to, and even if you acquiesced to read the summary from IMDb this week, Kira, you couldn't, because there is none. Is there not one? No, they only have, like, the full synopsis. There's no, like, quick blurb, so I was forced to write one, so... Was there one on Prime, or was that... I just wrote one. Oh, okay. So, we'll see how that goes. So, the boys find out more about the female, while Billy takes Vought's dirty little secrets to Rainer. Starlight stands up to the man, and the deep gets sunk. Homelander takes a trip down memory lane, and a little blue blankie threatens to undo it all. Nice, yeah, that's pretty succinct. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough with that. You still gotta put a dollar in the jar because there was puns in there. Ah, come on, you have to let me away with at least one pun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, episode six. In terms of the cast and crew, we get introduced to the writer Rebecca Sunshine. This is their first episode of. Four that she's written for the boys so far, but she's an executive producer and and like story producer on season two of the show. She's also written for the Vampire Diaries quite a bit. That's how I know her name. Sorry, that was because I'm after rewatching the Vampire Diaries lately, having yeah I been think on a, a bit of a lull. She's a producer on two seasons of that, and she wrote fifteen episodes of it. Because that's well, not my dirty little secret, but I do watch a lot of teen drama when I'm not watching anything else. It is my like background trash that's your stories that's my stories yeah i yeah. gotta sit down and watch my stories <laughs> and director for this episode was jennifer fang who's similar done cut a lot of ones and two episodes of tv shows in terms of things we watched she did two episodes of the expanse but i have no idea which one no but if she's in any way involved in the expanse that's always good because that is a like monumental sci-fi yeah by by and large the writers seem to be coming from sci-fi and fantasy and superhero backgrounds which makes sense yeah if there's not many other well aside from maybe teen dramas you're not hanging on to that many storylines and trying to keep them all cohesive yeah yeah so the name of this episode, The Innocence, comes from Trade 7 of the comics, where the boys go to the Believe Expo in the comics in that trade. Oh, right. Yeah, it's it just the way it worked out. Yeah. I'll throw over to you, I suppose, Kira, for our first thoughts on the episode. Your first thoughts on the episode. I can't remember how the episode starts again, and this is going this to be... Is, this, this is a theme. This, this is the theme with me, is I'm just bad. Take notes. Take notes. This episode starts with the, the Super in America... Oh, the, oh, yes, yes. Oh, the corporate wankery that is. Well, they're making a documentary or some sort of like intro blurb thing. I, I, are they TV spots? I I think it. Because the, the, you want yeah. to say we're making a serious documentary here, but no, she's not. Also, whoever that editor, God bless that editor for including that clip of Homelander with the bouncy thing in the playground, and he's just eh, the T Rex eh, thing. Eh, <laughs> it looks eh, like he's through yeah, Facebook. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So it's a montage of each member of the seven and how they're kind of relating to people. So you have Homelander in a playground with a small child, which is terrifying. Queen um, Maeve's in like a, she's out with like Samaritans and Grace. A train is running with paraplegics in wheelchairs. And yeah. yeah, that one's What's the that deep one, doing? The deep is teaching the people CPR. Oh yeah, and translucence. It's then just a swing set. <laughs> and then Blackmore is making tea in a traditional geisha ceremony. Why Many not? questions about that one. <laughs> yeah. And then it has it has Starlight. It cuts down to obviously being um, an editing suite. And it says Starlight relating to people footage to be added later. <laughs> yeah. You meet the... They, so they're making a, this some documentary... Documentary. Like as scripted as they come. She's like, we're making this documentary. We're not trying to make them, what, Heidi and Spencer, which is a really, really specific reference to them. Yeah, but she's she's giving it that it's too, like, twee and kitschy, and she's like, look, we're trying to sell these people to the military. Yeah. You know, can you make it less? With a geisha tea ceremony, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she's, what's her name? She's got really weird shit. Courtney. Courtney. Courtney, but it's spelled... With, there's extra letters. Courtenay. Courtenay. At least according to this, the closed captioning, it is anyway. Courtenay. <laughs> Sounds like something you, got, you hear getting yelled across a field in Kimmage. Yeah, but that's that's our opening scene, and we then cut to Huey and Annie at a. Oh, sorry, we cut to it's a news report about Starlight's speech from the previous yes. episode. And how everybody's reacting to it, and you see a little bit of Maeve saying, "Oh, I support Starlight," and we see. Then they, the they, they vox pop people, which is hilarious because you shouldn't do vox pops live. No. Ever. Going, <laughs> <laughs> no. she should have been, you know, I want to know who it is who shoved his dick in her face. And then I don't know what she says because it's like, she should have beeped and done hit this beep. I think it's bit his dick off. And shoved it up his asshole, I <laughs> Probably, think is yeah. where it's going. And it, it it's fantastic because the news anchor's just going... Uh, okay. Yeah, and then we go to Huey and Annie at a it, table. Yeah, quiz, pulls back and it's and in the bar. Annie's saying, geez, I wish they wouldn't focus on that bit. Everything she said, and that's the thing that they focus on. When, yep. like, so that was one very small part of her whole, you know, be who you are and don't listen to all this bullshit that's going on. And yeah. yeah, they've just focused on this one thing, which is, it is a huge thing to focus. Like, it is an important issue to focus on. But I can understand why she's annoyed that that's the only thing that they're focusing on. You know, like that, for her, it wasn't the main point of her speech. Yeah. But yeah, we see a little scene of them in the bar and one of Huey's friends from his old life shows up and is like, where the fuck were you? And then, oh, hello, who are you with? Obviously, you're over Robin. Yeah. It's nice because I thought, I thought it was going to be one of those cliched uh, jock friend shows up and embarrasses the geeky main character trying to steal the hot girl away. Cliche? Is that a Cliche? I think it is. Well, he's not exactly... He's not that hot either. He's like kind of falls into that geeky realm. Well, like not... No, not, but no, I but thought that was like, where they were going to go. He's not supposed to be like, yeah, the book when he chiseled. Starts telling, when he starts telling the embarrassing stories about No, Huey, I think like, he's just happy that his friend is, is you know, better. Yeah, because they, they buy it back when he goes up to Huey at the bar and is like, yeah. yo, dude, where were you? What happened? Like, like, we were worried, you know, it's nice to see that you're out and about and you're surviving and you're moving on. Yeah, and he says, you know, that's what Robin would have wanted you to do. Yeah. 
that's it's important for Huey to hear that. Yeah. And we see that later in the episode. He needs why. affirmation from somebody outside of it. Somebody that knew Robin. He needs affirmation from them that this is a good thing. Yeah, because... It's almost like permission for him to move on and be happy. If other people in his life think that this is a good... That knew her as well. Yeah, and he gets it from both sides in this episode where he has, at the start, he has one of his friends telling him, no, Robin would have wanted you to have been happy. And then for most of the rest of the episode, Butcher is telling him, no, you're betraying Robin by trying to, you know, start a relationship yeah. with a soup. But, yeah, no, it's a nice little scene to kind of catch us up with Huey and Annie from the end of the last episode. Where yeah. they kind of, they had a bit of a fight and they kind of made, seem to make up and then we cut to them and they're on what seems to be another little well, date. Well, before that, yeah, she's talking about Pink Sands. And wanting to leave and buying a ticket and we'll just get out of here. Is that? No, that's later on. It's Sorry, later they, on in the they bar, spend a lot yeah. of time in that bar <laughs> in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, to, you know, they are, they've reconciled. This uh, They've had their little spot. They seem to be the only, like, he's the only person in the city who knows what she's going through. Yeah. And has known from quite early on that she's not very happy in what she's doing and she is she's a confidant for him who's become a friend yeah he's essentially her only outside support her mother isn't that was made very clear to her in the previous episode yeah yeah. he's the only person that seems to understand where she's coming from and actually give a shit about her yeah their relationship is kind of one of the focal points of this episode. Yeah. Or or the, the kind of beginnings of their relationship proper. And I do. I like how it's handled the the stuff with Butcher going throughout the episode where he's trying to show Huey through various ways and means with the the um the support group. Support group and then telling them about Becca and he's basically trying to do everything he can because he thinks that Huey is attempting to sleep with the enemy. Yeah. Whereas Huey's like, I know she's a soup, but she's a good person. And Butcher should know this from the fact that they've been listening into her phone as well. Which apparently went... Dead a week prior. She's been missing for about a week. She's been, Well, she's been like off social media, not been making any public appearances, anything like that. That's the whole thing with the news clip is, where is Starlight? Yeah, so I took the implication there that... Huey's killed her phone. Yeah, Huey killed the bug on her phone after her speech and their kind of making up thing yeah. he killed that book because he just he felt too guilty about it or Vaud have taken her phone <laughs> yeah or she smashed her phone or but yeah it's, yeah it's it's no longer an active bug or trace that Billy can use and he seems to think that it was Huey who did it mm. and you've got Butcher also going to Rainer with the V yeah proof that they're giving it to children they're injecting babies with it and he cannot let his fucking vendetta go. Because he, the, instead of giving her the stuff and letting them do their thing and take down Vought, he hands over a list of demands, which is all stuff he can get. But the last one is making sure the Homelander is prosecuted to the full and legal sense. Full, full extent of the law, basically. And Rainer's like, I can give you exorbitant salary. I can give you office space in the Flatiron building. I can give you, like, was it indemnity? No. Yeah, basically he's going to have like... Legal protection for them, their family, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And because she's like, I, she's like, oh yeah, I can I can give you all this except for this promise on Homelander. But if he gives her the materials that they have, they can take down Vought in total, which means that they will take down 
He will be taking down Homelander. Yeah, well, it would certainly now, weaken not, Homelander a great not degree. To, yeah, it's not going to take... It's not like trying to just take him up on his own, which is basically what Butcher seems to want. Butcher is like hell-bent on having him be prosecuted solely. It's going to take down the whole beast instead of just one of the heads. And because she can't agree to that, because she, like in, in honesty, she can't. It's unrealistic. And he's like, oh, you're just fucking scared of him. And she says, yeah, I'm terrified. And you should be too. But he's just, he's so fixated on fucking over Homelander that he's like, no, I can't deal with this. And he leaves. He yeah. takes the V and he fucking leaves. And then he goes back to them and they're all in there that this high, obviously they've had to relocate Frenchie again because he's been burned. Yeah. And he's like, oh no, they didn't go for it. He's and lying to everybody. You can see M.M. doesn't buy it, but he doesn't say anything yet. When Butcher says, you know, oh, she didn't buy it. She's too afraid. She's a coward. And he's like, huh, really? And that he just, he leaves that it there. That seems actually prior to that is... Um, before them because he asks when he oh, arrives jumping, back in jumping around yeah no when he walks back when he walks in he asks where Huey is because you've got before that you've got that lovely little moment where the female joins Frenchie watching Shark Week and he's like she talked to me she talked to me <laughs> you call that communication she talked to me that's that's where they come up with their mesmer plan yes and I love how Frenchie manipulates mother's milk there oh with the, the ice cream chat <laughs> he's, he uses his ice cream analogy to say that mother's milk basically can't handle things being out of order and then he kind of gestures to the female and like she's out of order she's a, a puzzle a mystery an enigma and you know you want to solve it and the mm bites they talk about taking her to mesmer who's a soup yeah we find out that he's a soup who can read minds he was a uh, a child actor for Vaud, had a TV show where he worked with the police. It was like Soup Doogie Hauser was a cop. Yeah, he touches <laughs> criminals and finds out what they've done. And just the premise of that, because uh, it's a kid and it's like, oh, he's a rapist. Yeah, the first kind of clip we see from the show oh! is a, yeah, a kid touching this guy's hand and going, this man is the rapist. Yeah, okay, what else has this kid seen? I wonder he's messed up. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's just wrong. Yeah. And it cuts to him and he's, to the Mesmer character, at, at one of these superhero convention things like that you get where it's like 50 bucks a headshot. Yeah, it seems to be... It's the circuit. It's got, like, Billy Zane is there. Yeah, you gotta love some Billy Zane. It's TV soups and their co-stars. Yeah, so Tara Reed. Tara Reed and Billy Zane is there and people are getting headshots and, and photos with Mesmer and saying his tagline from the show. And there's that great little bit where the girl comes up to him to get her autograph and oh, shakes yeah. hands and says, what am I thinking about? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, let me just give you my phone number. Yeah, fuck it. Because presumably everybody, other person is like, oh, what number am I thinking of? Where have I lost my keys? It's like, well, if you knew, you wouldn't need me to find them, you yeah. idiot. <laughs> but you can see it in him. He's beat down by life. He is. Like, he lives, he 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 does these circuits. This is probably the only thing he's got going for him. Yeah, he's, we learned that about him fairly quickly after Mother's Milk. Mother's Milk Milton. rocks up to him. And he, yeah, Mother's Milk's introduction is great. He's like, are you a fan of the show? No, never saw an episode. Yeah. <laughs> what I am a fan of is your insider trading. Oh yes, how you how you brush the hand of that Wall Street guy. 
So which is presumably why how he his show got must have gotten that's, canned yeah, that's, or how he's ended up in the state he that is. That was it's where very, his fall from grace. It's a very similar story to Pop Claw. Something went on in the background and yeah, well, we think Pop Claw seems was done for like had drugs. some sort of yeah had had addiction problems. And Mesmer got done for insider trading and yeah. Vogt dropped him like a hot potato. Although you can guarantee it that Vogt took advantage of that insider trading up until he got caught. Oh, they were probably the ones getting him to do it. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. he got caught. Yeah, so, so no, we didn't they know he was him. doing that. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, MM tells him that he's a fan of his insider trading and he's like, how the hell do you know that? And he's like, well, why don't you take a look? And offers Mesmer his hand, and Mesmer looks frightened. <laughs> how do you know about Cleo? Yeah, it says, how do you know about Cleo, which we find out is his daughter. Uh, M.M., just with a power move, when he asks, how do you know about Cleo, he turns towards the guy taking photos of the fans. Oh, doing the fan, yeah. And says the tagline from the show, <laughs> which is... I don't know. Gone from my memory as well. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, there are no secrets from me. There are no secrets from me, yeah. And he takes him off and says to him, look, you know, I can get you to... I work with child services. Yeah. A colleague of mine is working your daughter's case. I can get you more access and things like that. So I presume it, the, the implication there is he's lost complete custody of his daughter. Don't know what service situation she's in. If child services are involved, it's obviously not a good one. Mm. I think he mentions that he hasn't seen her in a few years. Yeah. And it is... It's three years, he says, since he lost custody of her. But yeah, MM's basically bribing him emotionally that, look, we'll get you time with your daughter if you do this thing for us, which is do a reading, basically. And he, they take the female to, to get a reading off him and it's interspersed throughout the episodes we get various readings from the female mm. well the first one is, is brilliant because it's from them first saying array the cage it's so it's four very quick glimpses the first one is her gouging the guy's eyes out the second one is her getting thrown through the wall by a train uh, the fight no, with Black Noir is there as well no sorry it's gouging the guy's eyes out punching somebody in the stomach getting thrown through the wall and then the fight with Black Noir yeah it's all real violent imagery that she's remembering from the and last couple of weeks obviously having to relive that in a quite in a condensed manner she freaks out breaks his arm yeah. and he backs the fuck up <laughs> yeah he's like get out of my house yeah and I'm like look I can dress that or I can break the other one your choice yeah <laughs> And we get back, they do another... She's a lot calmer. Yeah, they do another scene um, later on. I think at that point, Butcher's shown up. Yeah, he rings him and he's He's like, where where are are you? (laughs) And then tells them we're at, what is it, Shake Shack? Yeah, getting a nice burger. And he's like, yeah, how much of that tastes like lies? (laughs) You linked up to the Find My Friends app. Yeah. You little stalker. Yeah, no, and at that, at this point six episodes in we could already say that's such a butcher move yeah he's, he's <laughs> so controlling yeah he's tracing every last one of them you know ask them hey where are you I know exactly where you are but yeah so for the second reading we find out a little bit more about the female and how she got to the country he does a reading and he sees like an armed camp there's like soldiers around he sees a flag and Butcher's like, hang on, I recognise that flag. With the and cross snakes. Yeah, turns out that she's from a terrorist organisation. Frenchie looks a little heartbroken. 
and begs for them to do another She reading. does as well. She kind of sits down and grabs his hand like, no, 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 that's not... You need to know more. That's not the whole story. Yeah. Like and she actually reaches out to Mesmer. Well, they have a little... The, the guys kind of have a little powwow and talk about the implications of what this means. Oh, there's yeah, a, your parents a are fucking terrorists. A terrorist has been brought to America and given superpowers. Holy shit, Vought are intentionally creating super terrorists so they have an excuse to be allowed into the military to fight the super terrorists. Yeah. And it's nice because Frenchie already had an inkling that something was wrong. At the start of the episode, when well, MMs, if somebody had volunteered to be injected with it, they wouldn't need to be locked up. Earlier in the episode, at the towards the start of the episode, when MM's given his rundown, his TED talk, as he says, as to what Vod had been doing, he's like, you know, since the seventies, they've been going around injecting babies, giving them oh, superpowers, yeah, pretending giving- like it's God-given rights, and Frenchie brings up the point of, well, what about the female? She's not a baby. And it wasn't in a hospital. She was held against her will. That's something else. Like that, what, what isn't that what important? What are doing? And Billy kind of brushes it away. But come the end, well, come later in the episode, we find out actually it is quite important because as well as them creating superheroes, they seem to be creating supervillains as well. Mm. It's the first inkling that there's something kind of a little bit more... Sinister? Yeah. Although how they could well, get even more even, sinister. Even the fact more that they're sinister? Create, even, yeah, even more sinister, Lily. Yeah, even more sinister, River. Lily. And then in Mesmer's last reading of the female, we find out kind of her full origin story, which is that she was living on an island somewhere with her family when she was little. The Shining like Liberation Army came, killed her parents, kidnapped her and her brother. And basically force them into a life of terrorist activity. Oh yeah, child army standard recruitment technique for guerrilla army: kill everybody, take the kids. And you can see before before that, Frenchie kind of pleads with her. He's like, "No, this this can't be right. Like, I I saw something in you. You're you're not a killer. They're no. trying to make you a killer, but you're not a killer." Well, and it, that's when she, like you said, she grabs Mesmer's hand and is like, "No, I want to show you guys." Yeah, well, they they did. The army operates across like the South Pacific and in the female of the species in that episode when they're in the nail polish, the manicure shop, he's speaking too long, which is Tylog. The, the Philippines language, language yeah. yeah. So that kind of gives you more of a setting up for her as well. And we also get her name. Kimiko. Yes. But that's it. That's what I was going to say. She is supposed to be Japanese and was kidnapped and taken to... Yeah, wherever um, it is. Wherever it is, the shining light. She's not actually. And her, to be yeah, it's there. her and her brother, and she wants to go back to her brother. Yeah, she wants to rescue her brother. That's her big thing. Is her brother is still there? She doesn't know how she got. She knows that she's been brought to the states, but yeah, by she, who she wants, and why is is still yeah, it's mystery. still unknown. She just wants to get back to her brother. He's the only of, family she has left. The last bit of a female storyline that we get, I thought, was really nice. When they're back in their kind of... Their squat. Their, their yeah, house. wherever they're squatting in their safe house. And they're back watching Shark Week again. And Frenchie's saying to Kimiko, look, if you want to go, you know, all you have to do is say the word and we'll go to the airport. But we're trying to track down the people who did this to you and hold them accountable. And we could really use your help. But it's up to you. And she grabs his hand and kind of squeezes and basically says... No, I want to stay with you guys. 
But there was one thing that we picked up as well that if you don't watch with subtitles on, like we always, always do. That's because you're a really loud eater. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> you are. It's not the only reason we watch with subtitles on. It, it's the main one. But if you're, yeah, if you're watching with subtitles on, you see the narration for what's being said on Shark Week. And it's about a shark finding his mate and putting kind of a feeler out. If, if she allows it. If she it, responds yeah. to his, you know, and yeah, basically just mirroring what's happening between the female and Frenchie. Yeah, it's very sweet. But with the effect that, no, she's in now. She's part of the boys. We have our full team. We have everybody who was in the comics. And yeah, that made me happy. Well, Mesmer then goes on to screw them over royally. Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. He really, really does. And he makes a phone call to Tina, who's the social worker. And he says, and it's this heartbreaking phone call that he, he understands that Cleo didn't want really want to see him. And that it's okay. She doesn't have to contact him and give him updates or go out of her way to do anything. You know, all he and he says it just look after her. Yeah. And you're kind of going, no, what are you doing? Because he's also making his way up a flight uh, up um a flight of stairs. Yeah, a tall ass flight of stairs. Yeah. It's a it's a building in New York, so it's not like two or three. Yeah. It's it is this very heartbreaking conversation that he has. He's like, I understand that she doesn't want to see me, and you don't have to call me, and you don't have to try and contact me or anything like that. Just take care of her. And you're kind of in the back of your mind. You're going, Mesmer, what are you doing? And then he walks out onto a rooftop, and Homelander's waiting. waiting. And you're like, Mesmer, what what are you doing? Yeah. So he is. He sells out the boys. He does sell them out. There is in the earlier interactions that he has with them. He seems to kind of get on okay with them. Until Butcher arrives and Butcher throws a spanner in the works and he, like, because he's helped Kimiko's hand. He can read everything she's done. He's read Mother's Milk. Mother's Milk voluntarily gave him his hand. Yeah. I'm not too sure about Frenchie, but Frenchie no. seems to be able to control Kimiko, so he's down with that. Yeah. And then Butcher, like, he holds his hand out to Butcher and Butcher's like, no, fuck you, you can't. Yeah, well, and Butcher he... shows up and is in, an insufferable dick to Mesmer yeah. from the get-go. I so mean, he... even... Mother's Milk says sometimes you get further with people when you treat them like people. Yeah, you've got to wonder, would Mesmer have made that decision if Billy had shook his hand and treated him like a human? Or is this a total fuck you? Well, we have actually find out once he's on the roof and he's talking to Homelander that this is his way back in with Vought. Yeah. And that he's like, he'll take any opening. It doesn't matter. Low five figures. Low five figures. Like he really, he just... He needs to make something of himself. Yeah. And you've got to wonder, is that because they've seen the way he lives and they pity him? Has he felt their pity? Or is it because he doesn't want to have anything to do with his daughter until he's made something of himself? No. Because there's think... the comment of, are you clean? And he said, no, but I can be. Yeah. That's before he goes to see his daughter. And I think when, when he sees his daughter and he realises... Well, no, they... She wants nothing really to do with him. Yeah. He... But that also... Can't do, he can't do right by her. And turns out the boys are kind of prickish to him. And they're anti-vot. And he kind of thinks... Like he says to Homelander, I just want to be one of the good guys again. Yeah. He hates Vought, but he hates Vought because they dropped him. Yeah. You know? He still kind of believes a bit of the company line. He can't be a good dad. So he, he just wants to try and be a good guy. Yeah, he just wants to be back in that and have that security as well and not be a joke. Yeah. 
He is. No, Mes- Mesmer is... Like, no, the, none of the characters in this are, are moustache-twirling villains. No. Everybody is humanised to some degree or not. And and even in this episode, we start to see a humanising of Homelander. Yeah, he's filming another sequence for this yeah. documentary. Yeah. And it's supposed to be his childhood home and he's going through and it's all staged and he's like, oh, look at the trophies and look at the pictures and this is my little league team. Apple pie and baseball. Yeah, it's as Americana as it gets. Yeah, it's it's pure Americana. You know, it's like we played baseball and mom used to do this and we made Airfix models and then he goes into what, what supposedly is his childhood bedroom and he's like, there's, you know this stuff on the walls and all this memorabilia and then there's a blue blankie on the bed yeah the, the blue blankie it, and it's like one of those beautiful soft fleece with a baby yeah. blanket the fleece innocuous with the enough sa- with the satin edge and he just loses it and he's like who put that there and they're <laughs> they're like the director Randy, or on set director is like uh, Randy Randy Settek. Randy who Randy Settek. Who the fuck is Randy Sentek? And he points to some terrified guy in the corner. Yeah, he's crouching behind a door yeah. going, please don't hurt me. <laughs> Homelander just calls him a fucking amateur and throws the blanket at him and walks out. Which, from what we know from Homelander, yeah, he Randy Sentek got off lightly. Yeah, He's fairness, lucky there was less, or there was as many people in the room as there was. In fairness, yeah, he normally like Darth Vader's some so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're just kind of left with like, okay, what what was the, the blanket thing about? And when it picks back up with that story thread, he's at a barn and flings a baseball into presumably the stratosphere. Which will then come down and knock out some poor random person yeah, as, somewhere. Yeah, as Stillwell says when she shows up, that'll kill somebody in Boston when it lands or something along those lines. Yeah. And she's they, there. they've got to get out the fucking Homelander Whisperer. <laughs> Basically, yeah. She is the Homelander Whisperer, isn't she? Take- she's the Soup Whisperer. Yeah, to calm him <laughs> down because he won't come in. And he is. He's pouting and he is throwing... Not a tantrum, but he's in that I don't want to well, do it and nobody can make me do it phase. I don't know. I thought it was the first bit of like Reasoning. real human emotion we get from him because when she kind of shows up and she's like, you know, I heard about what happened on set and he's like, well, let me ask you something. You know, where did you grow up? And she says she grew up in like apartments or whatever. And he's like, well, how would you feel if you had to come on set one day and talk about basically a bunch of fake memories and a bunch of fake shit that never happened shit that you never got to experience in your own life or ever got to enjoy and we're told to act like it was real you know and it's the first hint we get of anything to do with homelander's past apart from the fact that he said he stopped using his secret identity years ago yeah yeah as the episode wears on and we see the the flashback of poor baby homelander sitting in an empty room with nothing but his blanket and a target on the wall while two scientists... Which still had scorch marks that missed it on the wall, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so his aim hasn't improved with age, apparently. No. And then scientists <laughs> tapping on the glass and waving at him. One one scientist who seems to just be looking on with a sense of curiosity, and then the other one who's kind of tapping and waving and playing a little bit of... And he's hiding, yeah, hiding behind the blanket, blanket and playing peekaboo. Yeah, you just all of a sudden... In, in like just those few couple of scenes, but particularly with that one scene of baby Homelander in the room, everything about Homelander is suddenly recontextualized. Yeah. Everything we've seen up to this point. Not to forgive him of any of it, like he's still a psychopath and crazy, you know, immensely imbalanced individual. But now we're starting to get little hints as to why. 
Yeah. You know, he's, was this his entire upbringing? Yeah. Yeah. How long was he in there for? Like, it seems to be like he's he's young enough in it and it that's damaging to anybody. Yeah. And I like Stilwell's choice of words when she's like, oh, Randy set deck has already been terminated. Yes. Poor Randy. <laughs> yeah. Randy's, Randy's waking up in a, well, not waking up in a dumpster somewhere as the case may be. Yeah. This isn't my real face. <laughs> yeah. So you see the blanket then has been returned because it actually ha- is in a little bag and it says do not use do on. Do not use on set. On set. So that is the, presumably that same blanket, which is the only thing he has from his childhood. And if his childhood was that fucking bleak, I don't blame him for not wanting any reminders of yeah, that and if, near Yeah, if you're him. walking around a set of fake memories, you don't want the one, one real actual memory, memory there. Yeah. Like, So yeah, it's really, really interesting to see that so we're two thirds of the way through the series. Yeah. And ostensibly the person who is our main villain, we're starting to get this humanization of him. Even a little bit though it is. Homelander's not particularly yeah, you're evil or asshole in this the episode. There as well. Mm. He tries to cover up basically at the heart of it all, he is this scared little boy. Yeah, and I think that's that's really all we get from him in, in this episode is yeah. the couple of scenes on set where he's in the house and freaking out over the blanket and then kind of talking to Stillwell about it afterwards. But then meeting Mesmer on the rooftop, getting the, the phone end, yeah. off him and taking off with the phone and leaving Mesmer going, Oh, oh shit. Oh, that's my phone. <laughs> yeah, and was... it's just like, oh no. Yeah, on top of everything else that's happened today. You took my phone. <laughs> and actually there, that's, that's sorry that we do see a little bit of kind of dickishness from Homelander there. Oh, when he's he talking about teenage, no, teenage kicks. Yeah, he has no time for a mesmer beyond give me the information, fuck off, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. You've got Stillwell utilising her charms again to get him to finish the shoot. Yeah, well, Stillwell has kind of a mixed bag in this episode. She's back, seems to be back in control of Homelander. But lost complete lost control, control of Starlight. Because Starlight. <laughs> Starlight ain't taking no shit this episode from Oh, no. But she does, like when she's trying to talk Homelander into going back on and doing it, she is basically all, she she just stops short of kind of pushing the boobs together and going, please, yeah. for me. Pretty please. You know, she is, like she does actually say please for me. Yeah. And he he does it and there's that great bit where he's got the smile plastered on and they say cut and the, it just drops off his face entirely. But yeah, Stillwell's interactions with Annie not going quite how she expected well, this Well, the start episode. of her interactions, number one, is Annie walking up to the office and you can hear Ashley screaming yeah. <laughs> through the office door about how she was working with her and good luck getting somebody else at short, such short notice. And then Ashley comes storming out and it's just like, no. No, why do you have to be here right now? And it's like, I, it, she doesn't, oh, it, it is. She looks at her like, I'm going to, you're kind of looking at her going, is she going to hit her? Because yeah. that would be really, really fun. Like, she's that mad with her. And it's like, yeah, Ashley's like, you know that pledge. Yeah. That you, you, and then, stabs tried, you in the yeah, back. that's you. <laughs> that's exactly who you are. It was my idea to book you for Believe Expo because it's your base. Yeah. And what do you do? You yeah. turn around and you, and she storms off and she fires all her stuff across the room, uh, into the hallway. 
And I was saying it would have been great if somebody had been walking towards her and she just slapped a load of file folders out of their hand. Yeah, it was one of those moments, all right. Yeah, she just, and she's out of there. And when Annie goes in to Stillwell, he's like, did, did you fire Ashley? Oh no, it was a mutual decision. She's decided to take an opportunity elsewhere. <laughs> and I do love how Elizabeth Shue plays that scene when she, you know, telling Annie... You, you can't do this. You know, you're a petulant child and you think that it's all about you, but there's hundreds of people working to make the image that you portray. You oh, know, I bet you watched a lot of Queen Maeve movies. Yeah. And you admired that. And she's like, I know that because I wrote that. Yeah, I know the myth because I wrote it. Mm. It's a great line, actually. And he kind of listens to what she has to say and still, well, thinks she's got the upper hand. And he's like, yeah, cool. All that you said. Don't care. I'm doing my thing from now on. I'm not playing your way. I'm going to wear what costume I want. If somebody asks me who stuck a dick in my mouth, I'm going to fucking say who it was. And you and know who it yeah, was. Yeah, and you know who it was. And I think you've known for quite some time. And she just says, look, you know, I'm done taking shit. I'm not I'm not having any of it. I'm going to go things my way. Stillwell tries to just play the, well, we'll fire you, Kurt. And that didn't go any better than anything else she's tried to say. Yeah. Where Annie's like, oh, really? You're going to fire somebody who's recently publicly made a sexual assault claim? Stillwell does have that very good counter to that. Well, not to that, but she said, if you want the fame and you want to be a hero, and if you genuinely wanted to do good, you'd burn the sparkly outfit and you'd join the police force. Yeah, no, that is a good line. And I Stillwell, I think, thinks that's going to be the end of the argument when she it's, says it's that. It's a good argument for anybody when she's like, when she's like oh, I'm, you know, I'm going back out on patrol and I'm going after this, that and the other. And she's Mm -hmm. like, no, you'll do what we want. If you wanted to catch bad guys, you'd be a cop. Yeah. If you wanted to do that, you would never have auditioned for the seven. You would, you know, you want the fame. You want the accolade. You want the glory. That's why you've put on this outfit. That's why you've created this persona yourself from a small child. And uh, ultimately it ends up being kind of a, and not a moot point, but like kind of a moot stance that Starlight takes, because as we see, they just kind of work that into the narrative too. Yeah. With the the trailer for Citizen Starlight at the end, and we do get along the way. Yeah, well, she she between... states that she's not going to do any of the TV appearances. She's not going to do any of that thing. She's not going to take part in any of their media propaganda, and yeah. then. Later on in the episode, then when she gets that video and it's like we didn't, we don't need you, you on need set you. after all, and it is, it's all cut in from bits of like her showing up in New York originally, bits from her audition type tape, yeah, bits from her speech from the Believe Expo, you know, thing and things she'd already pre-recorded, and you get Maeve behind her going, "Yes, the house always wins." Yeah, well, actually, as well, the there's the nice scene. After she has the first confrontation with Stillwell, Starwell, uh, Starwell. <laughs> After she has the first confrontation with Stillwell, Starlight goes out to the elevator and Maeve is there. And Maeve gives her a very kind of cynical, ah, oh, you know, congratulations on your big, you know, feminist movement that you've got going every, on now. It's all about performance. I'm on. That's all they want to know is like, how are you and what's my stance on it? Yeah, Mavis viewing it from a very cynical standpoint of you're just doing this for kind of for the the, the hype and the clout. Yeah. And Andy basically turns it around and says, you know, I used to completely idolize you. 
Um, there was this one story in particular about you that I always loved, but I guess basically that was something marketing just made up to and walks out leaving Maeve in the elevator with no comeback. And then at the end of the episode, as you said, Maeve comes back up, sees what the, the Citizen Starlight trailer says the house always wins, but does seem to offer a little bit of like condolence, like for what it's worth, I'm sorry, I think she says. Yeah. You know, you tried to stand up to them, but you're one person. You're that poor bastard just standing in front of that tank. Oh, in Tiananmen Square? Yeah. You could have thrown in Chinese guy standing in front of a tank. Sorry, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't think of the words of Tiananmen Square. But yeah, that's what she is, in all fairness. It's it, like, it's a, Vod is a juggernaut. Yeah. And they will run you over. They don't care. They will push through their agenda and there's nothing, they, they control her image 100%. And so far, they've kept her away from all media and everything like that yeah. because she's not behaving. And it's it's after this Citizen Starlight trailer reveal that Annie has the the pink sands conversation with you yeah, about just wanting to edge. get away, and we get a real nice nod to the comics when she says, you know, amongst all the shit that's going down in her life, you was the only good thing. Somehow, you found me. Yeah, which is like. That's their thing in the comics, you know, in amongst all the shit, you found me. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very sweet. And they're talking about leaving and going and getting to the station. And then, is that when they kiss? Yeah, Robin's, Robin's standing behind Starlight. Well, the ghost of Robin is standing behind Starlight as they're having this conversation. And when she says, you found me, Huey leans in and kisses her. And after the kiss, he looks up to where Robin was and she's gone and they go back for another kiss. And then Butcher walks in. And it's all sweet and lovely. And then Butcher arrives. Like you could just hear that voice and you, and you, you just go, Oh no. Oh no. And he's again, such an unspeakable, insufferable prick. I, I just love his like happy chappy accent when he's like hello chums oh yeah oh you're that new bird from the seven isn't it <laughs> yeah I know you and you can see Huey just wants to call him out but at the same time it's like what like Butcher's as much of a fucking feral dog as Homelander yeah like sorry rabbit I believe is a better term like he is he's he is as rabbit as Homelander you do not know what way he's gonna snap no and he and keeps the fraternizing with a superhero <laughs> yeah he's really not happy about that as we've seen throughout the episode Billy's basically been trying the whole time throughout the episode to get Billy or to get Huey to understand you can't date a suit he takes him to uh, the support group the support group which must be Vought run because they talk about NDAs but yeah, uh, we, one of the one of the we talked about guys this. is in that support group yeah we talked about this off air because I was saying how how can there be a survivor support group if... Sorry, what, the Collateral Damage? Association of Collateral well, damage, damage Survivors, survivors. I think. Yeah. Yeah, in the first episode, Butcher tells Huey, what happened to Robin is really common. Most people sign the NDA and take the money so they can never talk about it. But here what we see is a bunch of people talking about it. So did they and not... And they're giving soup names as yeah, well. Yeah, did they not sign the NDAs? And if they didn't sign the NDAs, then surely it would be more common than Billy made out in the first episode. Yeah. Or is it Vought Run? When we were watching it then, I was thinking, oh, maybe it's Vought Run because the, the marketing guy is there Sad. from Vought and your one who's running the group is all about moving on and forgiving and forgetting and, and, yeah. and not it, making waves. Maybe is it, if is it not... 
you know, Vault might be like, oh, well, we recommend this group and it's a way of keeping tabs on these people. Yeah, that they like, or they see Because they are, they are that. that. That charity that, that runs the survivors group. They probably group. do. Because oh, I wouldn't it's put good it past for them. them. Yeah. And they, this way they can keep tabs on people. So if you've got somebody who's going around saying to everybody that Tech Knight ripped my spine in half, you yeah. don't want people that getting out there, especially not when Tech Knight and has a uh, penchant for invading small furry animals. Yeah, I can, because initially I was thinking about it as being not a plot hole, but just an incongruity within the world of it. But no, you can def. I I can certainly fold it into like the canon of the show as something that Vought would do, where they'd be like, "Here, here's forty five grand. Sign this NDA." And the person says no, and they say, "Okay, well, look, here's a support. We group still we still feel there. bad, but yeah, here's contact details for a support group where you yeah. can go to, and then like you said, they can keep tabs. Probably have the person who runs the group is paid by Vought, and they're the one who's like, "Oh yeah, no, let's move on, forgive, forget, like, you know, yeah, you we can't, can't be hang going on to out these there. things." Yeah. And you can see that. Well, in the for way. Seth, he really can't. No, well, poor old Seth from marketing is has... a eunuch. <laughs> yeah, he is a eunuch, and he doesn't seem to be too bothered. He seems to be happy that that's a an acceptable price to pay for sleeping with a goddess is getting your dick frozen and snapped off. It just, yeah, I just feel really sorry for them as well because they still have this fanaticism towards the superheroes. Even though yeah, oh, you a really, are. really horrific thing has happened to them, they still, it's like people with Stockholm Syndrome. Like, they're still, they like, the, the first girl who's talking and it pulls out and she's in a wheelchair and she's like, I know I should be grateful for him saving me and I understand this, I understand that. And, but the, I just wish Tech Knight had been a little bit more gentle with my spine. And that's when you find out that she's paralyzed from the waist yeah. down. Whatever happened to her, he, you know, basically but snapped her spine in half. What what she says, well, of the people in the group, obviously Billy's a bit harsher, but what she says is the harshest thing any of them have to say about the superheroes. And all she says is, uh, I'm glad he saved me, but I wish he was a bit more careful. Yeah. And your one who's running the group is like, well, now let's just move on. <laughs> it's like, so there's barely even any criticism. And you are, I think you are supposed to like, you are supposed to look at them and be like, no, you kind of, yeah, you shouldn't be idolizing them like this. Yeah. But then when Billy calls them out, well, maybe not that harshly. <laughs> like, yeah, he goes in. Well, Billy's only got, like, Billy's as subtle as a brick to the face. Oh, yeah. Like, it's and so it is, obvious why he's brought Huey there. And a lot of it is shock value as well. What he's saying is to shock Huey. But it's also maybe to shock these these people who have had something horrific happen to them. Maybe they should stand up and let the world know that this is what's going on. There's enough of them to bring a class action lawsuit. There's more than enough of them to bring a class action lawsuit. Oh, yeah. That would just get tied up in the courts for donkey's ears because what? You know, maybe that if he went around and empowered enough of them to stand up, you know, it would get some attention. Butcher never could, though. No. Butcher just thinks everybody should see it his way. And yeah. I think that's what... Why I think his kind of his treatment of them is so harsh is because everybody deals in in with grief and trauma differently, and obviously what's right for one might not be right for somebody else. But Billy's just like, no, it's always rage all the t- fucking time. Rage, know? rage, fucking rage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's Maurice? I I do not want to meet <laughs> Billy Billy Butcher's hormone monster. Oh good lord! But yeah, no, he is. He's just he can't. He Huey to... Huey's playing in the grey. He's in the shades of grey now. He is. Butcher's still firmly in the black and white. When it suits him. Yeah. 
Butcher will dip into the grey when it suits him, but otherwise it's black and white. Soups are soups, and that's that. Huey is no now. Huey is more. I'm going to judge every person like that's. I think when he starts to ask about translation and about what he's like outside of it, and he finds out that he had, you know, he doesn't really hang around. And he's got a kid that eats at him. It does because and he Billy knows uses that, it as well because he knows kind of that some of the most of them are dicks from what Starlight has said. Yeah, you know, so the ones that she kind of gets on with and thinks are all right. He's kind of discovering it's like everything else. Mm. Soups may be assholes, but at the same time, if you're constantly idolized and held up and put on this platform and are allowed to continue to get away with all this shit, yeah, you're going to be a dickhead. Whereas there are the ones that genuinely do give a shit and care. And, you know, Annie is one of them. Mm that aren't necessarily playing in the big league. So he's starting to see that there is kind of, there. there's a scale. There is, definitely. And and Huey's far more attuned to that scale than Butcher ever could be. And we find out why in this episode as well. After the, the collateral damage survivors group, Butcher takes Billy to, or Butcher takes Huey to a park bench, sits him down and basically tells him that Homelander raped his wife. And he thinks killed his wife as well, but yeah. he's not sure. He says this is the last place he ever saw her was sitting on this bench. And it's the bench from the footage that he had watched previously. Yeah. Where she gets up and she looks at the camera he says and she, she walks s- away. You know, she sat here for, for four hours or eight hours or whatever it was and barely moved. And then she get up and walked away. And that was the last time anybody ever saw her. Yeah. And he kind of says, that's why I'm in this. You got into this because Robin was killed. Me and you are the same. We're in this together. And you can't afford a distraction from another bird, particularly a superhero. Like, yeah. Uh, but that's, again, that's, that's Billy. It's just, he wants his, his vendetta. And Huey is now starting to see that like, a train, you know, the, the soups are bad. And he's seen that now. And he's still with the boys because he knows this, that generally speaking, soups are bad. And, but and also given what they've come across now at campaign V, he's like, Oh, Okay. There is something a lot bigger going on now. I think it starts with the pop claw thing that you can. Yeah, Huey, it starts a little bit with pop claw that from the footage that he's watching of her, she is she's a sad, lonely, desperate individual. Yeah, and that comes across. And he's met Mesmer now as well. He's met Mesmer again, another sad, lonely vaught cast. So yeah, he came into it sold on Butcher's revenge vendetta throughout the first couple of episodes he started to see the grey in it so he realises you know the mission is still important the work that the boys have to do is important but it's not about getting revenge on A-Train Butcher's anymore Butcher's methods aren't necessary well I don't think Huey knows enough about Butcher's methods yet no but he yeah he's definitely starting to clash with them and it it definitely seems to be over Annie and at the end of the episode, Butcher really does try and get in and, and, and throw a spanner in the works and, and twist the knife in Huey when he's bringing up Translucent. And, oh, where's Translucent? I haven't seen him in a while. I wonder what he's up to. Oh. <laughs> Poor Al Huey just doesn't know what to do. It's just uncomfortable. Yeah, he is, he's between a rock and a hard place. And he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be found out, obviously, from... Annie because it'll jeopardise their relationship but at the same time yeah, eventually he's going to have to come clean really isn't he he is like he can't keep going on doing what he's doing and Butcher's and, not going to let him either no 
I kind of wish they had done a little bit more in the support group. I would have liked to have heard some of the other injuries. Not, like, injuries, but I want... I would have liked to have heard some of the other interactions that they'd had with superheroes. That's just because the dick-snapping uh, dick snapping story was hilarious. I know, but they <laughs> there was a few really, really fucking weird things that happened. Like, I'm kind of disappointed that with Tech Knight, it was just a spine snap. Because yeah, it, in the comic book, Tech Knight is, like fucking everything from his therapist's cat to a watermelon to his niece's chinchilla and I, I just think something like not necessarily him violating somebody but like somebody saying they were like a little shaking dog and it was like I came in and he was like <laughs> yeah. I I think they'd have to introduce the character first before they introduce that element of his character yeah as well especially in the comic be. book as well it turns out that he's got a massive brain tumour yeah. Because he fucks the moon until it explodes. But he thinks, no, he he has this, like, he has an aneurysm. Oh, that's And it. he he experiences the aneurysm as this comet is coming to blow up the Earth and Tech Knight's the only man who can save it because it's got an opening at the front of the comet, roughly the shape and size of a vagina. Yeah. So Tech Knight's like, I'm the man for the job. And he flies up into space and fucks the comet. And it explodes and he saves the world. But actually, he's just had an aneurysm and yeah. died. Also, he's supposed to be, he's there in world version of Batman. So he's he has Batman and Iron Man, Man kind of smushed together. together. He, he's the rich billionaire character. Yeah. And he has the cave that he's, Huey takes a shit in. Yeah, he's the only soup. <laughs> he's the only soup not powered by V in the yeah. comics as well. He has a big mech suit. He's like a big Lex Luthor mech suit. Yeah, we the, get two Tech Knight references in this episode as well. Yeah. The Deep when he's doing his little TV spot when he's on the beach and everybody's picking up rubbish. He talks about how he's got Tech Knight to switch to a hybrid from his gas guzzling yeah. Tech Mobile or whatever he calls it. And then they reset and put all the trash back on the beach. That's just a beautiful little bit of pure Hollywood like reset, <laughs> reset. Back. everybody throw that trash back and he's hitting on the extras as they're going past as well because he hasn't learned anything yeah oh and then he also has to issue his apology in this the, episode yeah I was going to say the, the, the deep the deep does not have a good episode really this is really the start of the deep's like spiral yeah like I said last week from now from now on the deep is just he's a laughing stock he really and is. They, so they make him issue. They make him issue an apology after Starlight has had her rant at Stillwell, and Stillwell goes straight to the deep, and he's like, "Oh, do you have time to talk?" And she's like, "No, nope, walk with me." And he, she's like, "We need you to issue an apology in case any of the other ones come forward." Well, no, first, as if to inform you of just how skewed the deep's mindset is, when Stillwell comes to him and says that you're going to have to apologize, and he's like, he thinks it's about. The dolphin rescue. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, like, I thought he said something to do with the dolphin. And Stillwell's like, no, not the fucking dolphin. Starlight. Like, for fuck's sake. And he's like, oh, well, you know, can't you just make it go away like all the other times you have? Is yeah. basically his response. Yeah, well, she's like, God forbid any of the other ones come forward. Yeah, she wants to get ahead of it. She knows Starlight's going to come out and say it. So she's like, strategically, from a PR standpoint, the best thing to do is get you out there. Say, it was me, I apologise before you get named, and frankly, before all the other people come forward yeah. too. I, I can only imagine that this is a complete flip for the deep. That this he's experienced the exact opposite of this a number of times, where he's done what he's done in the past, and gone to Stillwell, and Stillwell has, you know... Covered it up. Covered it up, paid hush money or whatever, and, and gotten rid of it. 
And from the Deep's point of view, it's just, oh, I go to Stillwell and she gets rid of it. And now Stillwell comes to him and he's like, oh, handle it. And she's like, this is how we handle it now. You go bye-bye. Yeah. And it's just beautiful to see. This is how, yeah, this is how we're handling it now. So he has to issue a public apology. Which is the f- fakest, fakest oh, apology. Oh, oh, in terms of apologies, it's up there with YouTuber note app apologies, which are just trash. I don't understand the sentence you just said. Oh, okay. Yeah, YouTubers, when they get called out for things, go into the notes app on their phone yeah. and type up some bullshit and oh. then just post it on all their platforms. Oh, right. But it is, yeah, it's it's the fake false apology, the the crocodile tears that we've seen. I from, believed it was what I believed was consensual. Yeah, from many, many a celebrity of I'm basically sorry I got caught. Yeah. <laughs> is is how it comes off. But it's it's something that we've all seen before. You know, oh, we've, yeah, we've it's all seen it. Celebrity been called out for a shitty behaviour gives fake ass apology in the hopes that they'll be able to get back to the fame that they once had. And the deep pretty quickly learns, no, it ain't gonna happen. No, He's getting they... shipped off to Sandusky, Ohio. He's getting shit thrown at his Hummer and getting called fish dick by girls. Yeah, well the, I think it's the relocation to Sandusky, Ohio, because Ohio is landlocked, yes. As far as I know, well, my my geographical no, knowledge I'm of America is not great but I'm, yeah I think it's landlocked and I don't think that Sandusky is pretty well regarded <laughs> in this production no. but he's basically he's going to middle America to somewhere not water adjacent he's, yeah he's basically being thrown out of the seven he's being relegated to the the, the B C D D leagues yeah basically um, he's going off somewhere like and this is somewhere that you know Vought probably wouldn't even generally have a superhero for. They would have their own local one that's not Vought affiliated, but... Yeah, well, as we find out in the next episode, it is, but it, it there is a Vought presence there, but it's... Like a field office. Yeah, it's it's the field office out in the boonies kind of thing. Yeah, so it is, it's a big shunt side, well, like, down for him. Yeah. It's his punishment. And he's there in his Hummer, his big yellow H2 Hummer... Yeah, after promoting his, you know, his supposedly green With lifestyle. With Yeah, getting the tech knight to convert to a hybrid vehicle and we see him driving a fucking gas guzzler. With his Slurpee getting shit thrown at him, getting called fish dick. And he's like, yep, you keep living your truth. And I'm like, dude, honestly, if you just took off the outfit, people wouldn't no. know it's you. Yeah, you probably wouldn't get recognised that. Like, I mean, nobody else seems to have been recognised outside of uniform, like. Yeah, Annie, for fuck's sake, like, she doesn't even wear, like, a mask or different hair or a wig or anything like that. No, and, and Butcher and doesn't even a- recognise her. He he knows who she is. Yeah. She's able to walk around fine. We see in later episodes other members of them, of the Seven and Very Superheroes, being able to walk around in normal clothing without being recognised. So yeah, well, if you're like if the you're, only one we've seen out of costume really, isn't it? Well, translucent we've seen out of everything. Well, yeah, but his birthday suit is his costume. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we haven't seen like well, of the seven. Yeah, they've all been They've in, all been in uniform yeah, yeah. except for Annie. Yeah. Obviously the, the likes only, of you know She's the only one who at this stage bothers to maintain an alternative persona. The rest of them, why bother? They're the cream of the crop. Why would you go around pretending? Not well, we to be do. We something? do find out in season two that Maeve still has 
a secret identity. She just yeah. doesn't use it very often. No. But, you know, that Homelander kind of hits a nail on the head. It's like, why bother? Yeah, for them, why bother? You when know? they're li- they're living in the tower and everything they do is based around their superhero identity. Yeah. What's the point in... in un- unless you want to go somewhere where you're not recognised. But most of them could probably do that with their immense wealth anyway. Yeah. You know? But we see a couple of other little... We kind of catch up with a few other characters, mostly just Maeve and A-Train throughout the episode as well, where we see A-Train is starting to struggle. He's having trouble keeping up his times. Yes, he's shooting his segment for the documentary and he's talking about his life growing up and that, you know, it is very, unfortunately, very common across the US. Poor, single, black mother working 14 jobs to raise two children. Yeah. There's a shooting in the neighbourhood because it's inner city and he's able to outrun the bullet. Yeah. Which is a fantastic story. In yeah, cool. Right. Like, story yeah, it, it really is. But they're like, oh, can we change that? And make and, it like less ghetto. And again, it's and a little bit of humanisation that we haven't had from A-Train. Yeah. We know he has a brother and we see the brother there with him. Yeah. For a few things, but it's nice to see that he still has to, to give this thing that it's only been his mom and his brother yeah, his whole he's, life. He's come from humble origins. He's come from fucking nothing. But yeah, the first thing that the director, Courtenay, says is, yeah, can we ixnay the gun violence stuff and make it a little bit more, you know, acceptable? <laughs> but yeah, and that also, we also see... He's making running slower and slower times. He's, yeah, and he's told Homelander in the previous episode that he's... Off quit the v. v and he's off it and yeah he seems to be slowing down he seems to be struggling we also get that <laughs> nice little bit when Maeve is filming her you know TV spots and Elena shows up yeah. out of nowhere to check on her basically to sure yeah to check okay on her because she was in a state the night she arrived yeah they tried to go off somewhere private and have a chat and your we... man with the boom mic is just like sneaking 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 <laughs> sneaking yeah. but they uh, do they don't even let them have a moment of fucking privacy yeah they have to zoom in and get this private conversation that they're having where she's come to check on her because she is genuinely concerned about her. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, they still care about each other regardless of whatever has happened. You know, yeah, as well, humans, they Maeve, still care about him. Maeve showed up in her house. Yeah. Had a complete mental breakdown and then disappeared. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to try. Yeah, yeah, you're going to try and check them down. Now, she's a bit annoyed because she's like, I would never show up at your work. And she's like, well... She, how else am I going to get a hold of you in fairness? Like, yeah, but I think... I you think live Maeve where is, you work. <laughs> no, I think Maeve is more concerned in that instance about keeping Elena out of it. Yeah, she seems to have she, kept her very much hidden from everything. There's no... Yeah, Elena seems to think that that's what it is. Oh, you just don't want people to see us together. But you get the impression that Maeve was like, no, I broke down in your house because I was on a plane and effectively killed a shitload of people and couldn't handle it. You can't know this. Yeah. Nobody can know this. She doesn't want her life and the they, things that she's had to do. She doesn't want them to touch Elena. Elena is the one part of her life that she views as being good and pure. Yeah. They delve into it in in quite depth in season two. And it's done really, really well. So we'll talk about it more then. But that even the first time around we watched it, that was the impression I got was that no, it's not that Maeve is just trying to, to put on a brave face. She's actually, she's trying to protect Elena. She yeah. just can't tell her that. Because they're all like, oh, who's this? And she's like, oh, it's my friend. Yeah, we're friends. We're just friends. Yeah. And I'm allowed to have friends. Get away from me. Yeah, and she just, she just, she tries to cut her off. And 
make her say or tries to cut her off by being like oh well did you ever think really all I wanted was a quick lay hoping yeah. that will offend Elena or get her to shut up and, and get her to leave yeah you know and, and then they realise that they're being stuck in films being filmed the whole time <laughs> and yeah Maeve looks like she wants to kill Courtney by the end of the episode I think we all want to kill Courtney I certainly do anyway this episode does a lot of backstory for characters yeah and we are seeing the heroes I know it's funny because all of the the superhero well not all, a lot of the superhero stuff that we see from the seven is based around this fake bullshit documentary but what the show is actually giving us is really humanising the heroes yeah but then they're being told no you can't do this and you can't do that we need this and we need that mm. so you can see how the story and these myths are being woven in but for for us the viewer we are getting the effect that the fake cynical show was trying to create. Yeah. Which I just, I just, it's, that, that, that was done very well. I'm still trying to work out why Black Noir and the Geisha Tea Ceremony, does he want to be a pretty Japanese assassin? I don't know. Is well, he a is Japanese it, assassin? I, is it, yeah, is it just that, is it just that he's dressed kind of like a ninja? And we have nothing well, else for him. Ninjas wore dark blue. Well, ninjas wore peasant clothes. He's dressed kind of what people think ninjas look like. I know ninjas don't actually look like that. No. But is that why they chose it? Because the only other Black Nor reference we get is when Seth Rogen is sitting beside him promoting... A movie that uh, he leads. He doesn't even talk. He doesn't talk. And honest to God, I was like, no movie where the lead actor doesn't talk would work. And then I remembered Soldier. Yeah, yeah, he's got like four lines in that. In that whole thing. So, okay, it does work, but yeah, you've got Seth Rogen sitting there. And what is it he says? He's, he's you know, really looking forward to, to getting involved in the VCU. Yes, the Vought <laughs> Cinematic Universe. Yeah, so there's, that's all we really get from Black Noir, but we do, we are, we're getting the other heroes, the other set members of the Seven are starting to get humanized. Yeah, Black Noir really is the wild card. He's good with knives, he's a bit weird. Yeah, um, and we still don't know anything about else him. about him. But again, in the comic books, you're not really told anything about him either, which is good. No, it's, it's fun not to have very, this character that's just popping in and out that is lethal. Oh, and he is. Yeah, he seems to be. He is. He is possibly the most dangerous one of the lot of them. He and he seems to be like, flashing forward again, talking about kind of what comes later. He's there, like black ops guy. Yeah, he almost is. He gets sent on, like, secret missions for Mr. Edgar. He goes on, you know, quiet missions to, to take out targets. He's the one they send after Frenchie and the female. Black Nora, I think, is their... He's their special ops guy. Yeah, he's their... He's their well, and he looks kind of like Snake Eyes and stuff, so he's supposed yeah. to be the... He's All he's the, missing is, like, the splinter cell, like, triple scope. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> he's not. But he is. He's Snake Eyes. He's, yeah he's snake eyes but with knives yeah and it's really nice because if you look at his costume layout there's all the like little patches where he can access so he's got them on his shoulders he's got them on the tops of his thighs he's got them tucked in under his ribs and under I, the rib outfit so that they're all within easy access for him I could be from wrong from multiple positions but I don't think he feels pain I don't think he's human because in the fight with the female she gets you know she gets a good few digs in and she stabs him a couple of times and he never reacts and flashing forward to season two, quick spoilers, skip ahead 30 seconds or so, when Butcher blows him up. Yeah, he just walks out. He just, he's just standing there. He never seems to, 
experience pain. Is that whole suit Kevlar? I don't know, but it gets blown apart later on. Yeah. And you can see him all mangled underneath. He's all like burnt and stuff. And yeah, he he don't. He care. looks like a scrotum underneath. He though. don't care. He well, yeah, that's probably because <laughs> of the explosion. <laughs> <laughs> but he just yeah, I I I really don't know with him. For a while, I didn't think that it it, it was a human because. I didn't know. Now, this is going to... If you've read the comic books, you'll not understand that with V. V can essentially reanimate the dead. So you get these weird zombie versions of them. And they yeah. they do this for publicity when if somebody, one of them is killed, they'll trot them out and be like, oh, they're going off to find a mission. And they, then they just kind of hide Quietly them away. Quietly hide them away for the rest. And I, honestly, I was kind of going, is he some sort of weird V zombie? That's yeah. interesting now, actually. I hadn't, I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me. Because, like, you do, Lamplighter in the comic books is, is one of these V zombies, and he's. Yeah, he it's, gross. in the comics, it's supposed to be, like, a take on how, it's a satire on how in DC and Marvel and, and general comics. Oh, they die and they come back. Nobody ever really dies. Superhero dies, they come back four or five issues later. It's a take on that, but yeah, in the comics, what happens is the V in the system reanimates basic bodily you can, functions. Yeah, you can jumpstart them again. Yeah, and they basically just, they, they eat and shit and mumble and that's that's their entire existence, basically. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. If if Black Nora could be... That's a really... Mm. Watch this space, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see if he... Because apart, like... Unless he just doesn't have nerve ending. We do see him express some emotion in... Early in season two. Yes. That's all I'll say for now. Yeah. But yeah, watch this space, ladies and gentlemen. We'll revisit that theory later on. We'll see how, <laughs> how right or wrong I was. But that was episode six. The Innocence, yeah. I think I don't think I have anything else to say about it. No, it's a, it, the last couple of episodes have been slowing down and have been more backstory exposition, building this framework for what's going yeah, there's a lot less... It's less boom, explosion, splatter, gore, Yeah, there was a lot of that in episodes one to four. It, it's starting to get more into the nitty gritty, into the meat of the story. Yeah. And giving you these lovely little teasers and tidbits like Homelander's origins, which just seem to be the, the horrendous... Yeah, what's going he seems on with to, the yeah, he's soup the, terrorists. You, you're getting a timeline for superheroes that they've started in the 1970s. So you're going, mm. going has how old is Homelander? Was he a child? Was he manufactured? Is it like a Truman Show deal? Yeah. You know, where he was raised as an experiment, which it seems to be he was raised as an experiment. And they was he the first of them then, if he was raised as an experiment? Yeah, or were they just trying to make somebody... Were they trying to make him that, better? The strongest one ever, because yeah. he certainly did, like, nobody did they want else seems to come that, close to him. Yeah, it, was there no, you know, is this their attempt to make one that was entirely under their control? Mm. You're getting these little tasty little nugs. They're, yeah, but they're kind of going, Here, here's a piece of candy. Here's a piece of candy. Yeah. Here's a piece of candy. They are. Here's a piece they're... of candy. Because they know that like, the story can't rely on shock value alone. No. It needs I don't to think have... they were trying to in the no, start. No, and it does have to have... like There's so many issues playing out in the in the story. In the story in general, you've got this basic fight between good and evil. That's what it starts out as is. It looks like bad versus... Good versus evil. Like you've got... That's how they're trying to frame it. But it's... But fit. it's... it's for discovering that the world isn't black and white it is all these shades of grey mm. and then you've got these corporations as well it's also a satire about 
corporations and this insane chokehold that they have on yeah well to me the show at large if you asked me what is the boys targeting and what is the boys taking aim at I wouldn't say the superhero genre I would say corporate America and celebrity worship yes and idolization in general yeah, because it's not, it's, it's not enough for them to own these superheroes and lease them out. They have movie franchises. They have all these merchandising. They have everything. Yeah, they've cornered every, and they have all these trademarks on stuff, and they have like cooking shows and appearances, and they pick these guys out. They build this story around them, and then they just market the shit. Yeah, it's out the, of the it. cult of celebrity, like. It really is. To the point where they have an expo that is just full of insane people. But they are, they're covering up things, you know, and you're discovering that this company isn't so shiny and white and there are nefarious things going on behind the scenes and that even under their own noses they can't control their superheroes. Yeah. You've got the CIA who historically have been kind of shady bad guys. <laughs> kind of, she kind, says. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm being very careful with my wording here. <laughs> Listen, I'm worried about Disney getting a Disney story. I'm worried about, about the CIA. CIA listening in. You know, historically have not done some very good things or any real good... Have they done anything? Maybe Operation Paperclip. Well, no. Let's not get into it. No. But you've, got, <laughs> to you've actually up. got the CIA there try, who are actually trying to do the right thing and are like, we need... You know, Rainer's doing everything she needs to do right. She's like, I've got photographic evidence. I need physical proof. You know, yeah. you give me that, do that. And she's like, until that point, my hands are tied. And she doesn't lie to Butcher. She's like, I can give you everything except for this. And that's the truth. She could mm. have lied to him and gotten everything and taken the V and walked, but she doesn't. And she know she knows. She has that more integrity to, than him as well. And she tries to reason it out with Well, him. but she tries to get him to go for it and say, you know, oh I can pass this up, but they'll probably say yes to everything, hoping she'll get the info and then at a later date she yeah. can say, Here's all your money, here's all your operating expenses, here's all the other stuff, but they won't go for the homelander thing. She's gotten what she needs, he's gotten most of what he needs. But butcher knows. Nah, <laughs> I know you can rubber stamp that now. So let's. Her face when she says that he, she's just like, oh for fuck's sake, just take the fucking deal. Yeah, yeah. So it is. They are. It's not so shock and eye that they this episode, but no. you get a lot more information wise out of it. Yeah, we get we get a lot more meat, as I've been saying. But I think I'm happy enough to leave it there yeah. because we're probably we're running. Running long today. Going to make the editing process fun. But guys, thank you for joining us. As ever, we are Monorants, and you can find all our episodes wherever goodish podcasts are hosted. In the meantime, you can send any feedback or questions or whatever you want to monorantspodcast at gmail.com. Send snacks! Yeah, if you can send snacks via email, send snacks via send email. Send snacks! You can also <laughs> find us on Twitter at RantsMono. Don't forget to go back and listen to our previous episodes if you haven't. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye.